I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that or even talking to Ben about that. That's just something that comes with Ben. That's something that I know he does. Um, and, and so um, that doesn't dominate my time, to be quite honest with you. I'm concerned about the, the maturation process of the men that you mentioned. And, and, uh, and, and I was really pleased with the maturation, the process displayed by our receivers. They didn't get an opportunity to impact the game in a real positive way at the early stages, uh, but they didn't get frustrated. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome, everybody. It's a beautiful morning. I mean, nice, easy. You know, I got Max right here. We're all dialed in, and you just had the, the Starks Chinese fire drill there at home as you do when you got the kids. You got them running all over, Max. How you doing, my friend? Oh, we are doing good. Kids are clean, clothed, and unwrinkled at least, and packed and ready to go. So I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, you know, and now, now it's my wife's job to get them to the schoolyard. I handled the in-house. She now tra handles transportation. <laughs> oh, absolutely, my friend. Well, you know, the thing is, on a Wednesday morning, you know, you got to kind of ramp up a little bit. You know, Thursday morning now, I should say, because we just had hump day. The thing that was, by the way, Hyde Park yesterday, it was so cool because yeah. we, with 19 minutes to go on the air, I'm telling you, I thought we were dead in the water. All right, because they had a power outage yeah. and all these things. But we got ninjas in the locker room. All right, we have ninjas and Jacob and Tommy and Brian. These are guys that they are like a NASCAR pit crew, man. They put it together and it, they did it in a very creative way to get us on the air. And I wanted to make sure to thank them because they truly, truly were the unsung heroes of yesterday and the maturation process from, uh, you know, but day one to day two for these guys. It's been an ever evolving learning process for them. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, listen, adapt and overcome or adapt and survive. And, you know, that, that's one of the fun parts of, you know, the human experience. And, of course, with football, right, you, you're, you're going to see something that you cannot plan for or expect for, and you've got to handle it, right? That, that's, that's where the maturation is in football and in life. It Sometimes is a, life's going to give you that curveball. Well, you're exactly correct, my friend. You know, I mean, you think about it. You take a look at, you know, you got Mike talking about Ben and Mike talking about the wide receivers and the fact that, you know, early on the wide receivers, they weren't big contributors. It wasn't happening. Things were just kind of out of order there. They, they, it just wasn't happening in the passing game. But, you know, one of the things Mike went on to talk about is he said mentality is a, is a component of it. Poise is a component of it understanding the ebb and flow that is professional football and the opportunities or lack thereof at times is a very real thing. And some of the opportunities didn't happen in the first half, but they certainly happened in the second half and especially on the last drive. And it does take, and I, and I think you can jump, uh, jump all over this because you understand what it takes to be that young guy from year one to year two. I think I might be too old to remember <laughs> My first year to second year. <laughs> but you certainly oh, can, my friend. But oh, you, know. <laughs> you remember the jump. <laughs> but the jump is very real. Talk about it. Yeah, so the jump from your rookie year to your second year um, usually comes in the form of knowing how to conduct yourselves. Because year one, so we'll just put it this way, the Najee Harris year, Mm -hmm. We'll use him as our, as our rookie of choice, our rookie du jour. Um, 
His season hasn't ended since since training camp at Alabama. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. He, he went from training camp in Alabama last August to now all the way up until this point where we're at week two. So he hasn't had that off season. And I think that's kind of the important thing. When you get to the end of this year, if you're Najee, your first off season, you hope is not going to come till February and <laughs> that you'll get February, March, April off to actually take a breath, digest what happened, but also realize you just went through a gauntlet. And then in year two, you have kind of set your mind on what my schedule looks like. What is going to take to be a professional to thrive in this in this league? And also, I now know what to do because I've been in this playbook for a year. I have it under my belt. What are the differences and nuances? I can now think about how I compare and contrast things about what I did last year and what I can do this year. You you have that requisite, you know, I was talking about requisite knowledge, experience. Oh, wow, wow, wait a minute. You you're going to throw a requisite in there? You're going to go That's big, you're right. gonna big league me on that? Requisite, I'm gonna, wow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a requisition for us to use the word requisite. How about that? <laughs> That's awesome. That's just totally awesome. You know what my mom would say, Hoopy, the legendary yeah. Hoopy? I know you heard my brother Ronnie because you sit in for my brother Ronnie too, right down in Phoenix. Yeah. Right, the legendary Hoopy. That's my mom. My mom would say when I, I hit a big word like she go, oh, honey, I love that because it makes me think you actually went to some of the classes at <laughs> <laughs> Oh, exactly. Man. You, you got to throw those nuggets in so you keep them guessing. Keep That's them guessing. Right. Oh, oh That's he went right. to English today. That's right, Mom. That's right, hey, baby. Four times one is still four. <laughs> Oops, went to math. <laughs> oh, well. You'll have that on big jobs like this. Max, yeah. <laughs> let me ask you, okay? Because Mike was specifically referring to the wide receiver group collectively and Chase Claypool individually. Okay, so. You take a, a look at a guy, we talked a little bit about Najee Harris, but you think about Chase Claypool and the contributions that he was able to make with like that high pointer along the sidelines and everything, drawing the interference call and that sort of thing. I mean, it's important that you don't get down early in the game or at really any point in the game because you can't afford to, as like Ben said, you can't afford to pout. You can't afford to shut down more or less because you're not seeing targets. Well, I, I I think the biggest thing, and this is and this is now what year two, right? This yes, is what for we Chase. have to see the jump for Chase. So we so we talked about what Najee's going through in his rookie year. Now let's look at what Chase is going through. Chase is now established. He's had his year. He's had his opportunity to play big roles and big moments as a young guy. So now he, in his mind, it's not new to him, and. Like, 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 like Ben was saying, you can't afford to pout. He now knows that, hey, I have to keep, I have to stay locked in because I never know when that big play is going to happen. Yes. I never know when I'm going to have to go over the top of somebody and snatch a ball <laughs> out of their hand <laughs> and get a big play or break a jet sweep or motion for 25 yards. Like, I have to be in tune because you're if, if I'm – constantly thinking about myself or I take a moment to feel sorry for myself, I'm going to miss a blessing in the process. So it's always keeping your mind open, always keeping your mind sharp. And also you're setting an example for the guys that are now behind you that are younger than you. Right. Because as you move up the escalator, there's people getting on the escalator. They're looking up to see where you're going 
because they know they got to get off at some point. So now you're up on the escalator, and now you're you're leading the example of those behind you. So setting that example, understanding that that's where the basis and the foundation of leadership comes, is now as you move up in that experience level, as you move up in 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 years, you're going to be looked at by other individuals, and you're going to be a resource for them, just as you sought out resources for yourself when you first got in this league. You know, I've always said the preparation period for a player, in my mind, was always, it was the physical, but it was also the mental, and it was the spiritual, because that part of you uh, draws into it. For those of us that are believers, you draw your strength from that. But at the same time, too, it's the emotional aspect that you have to also mature in, that you have to be able to make sure that you're in control of your emotions. And one of the things I think Mike referred to was, hey, Chase, you know, you got to learn from that personal foul you took. You know, that could have come at a a moment when you high-pointed the ball and then, you know, did something then that negates that great play. And and I'm not getting on Chase because, let me tell you, um, he who is without sin, you know, cast the first stone as far as, you know, drawing a personal foul or taking a little revenge. And I'm looking at you, Max, as well as I'm looking at myself. And I know because I watched your career unfold. And, you know, yeah. you don't know specifically, but, you know, I can just tell you from experience, yes, I was guilty of the same thing. That's It does happen, but it's a learning experience, and fortunately, that learning experience didn't come at the cost of a, a, a loss, you know, or a, yeah. at the cost of victory giving you a loss. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, 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 it's one of those things where, you know, emotions have to be in check, right? I mean, but this is an emotional game. If you don't play oh, football yeah. without emotion, then, then why right. are you out there, right? right? I mean, this is the passion. This is the height of male testosterone right? You know, yes. being, being flung around uh, at that point. Um, and, and yeah, ha- have, have I grabbed a face mask and tried to yank it off of a person and thrown it? Yes, no. of course I have. Yes, no. I, of course I have. Tell me you have But haven't. anywho, <laughs> I mean, ha- have, have I snatched a guy down to the ground or purposely put my knee in his chest? Never, ever, ever, ever. As far as you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, well... Listen, listen, uh, I plead the fifth. Um, That's right. We all do. The statute, hey, the statute of limitations is still not up yet. Uh, but, yeah, but but calm and cooler heads, as you get through those experiences, you'll understand. Like Kendrick Green as well, right? Excellent. You get a little riled up about it. He's a young guy. He is a, it, It's going to be okay. It's going to learn how to temper that emotion, how to focus it, right? You know, I, I'm, I'm a big I'm a big comic book nerd. So you know, Cyclops from the X Men. Okay. Cyclops right. Cyclops ha, has has the gam, has the gamma blast that he shoots from his eyes when he opens them, and he's always like, "Oh, I can't control it! I can't control it!" And then he puts on his his special lenses that are made so he can focus his blast. That's the uh. same thing. As you get older, you get the goggles and you can focus that blast and understand. If I do this in between whistles. I don't get penalties, and also when I do this on the field, you don't get arrested for these things that you would get arrested for right. off the field. <laughs> right. So save up that energy, put it in a jar, keep stuffing it, stuffing it, screw it on, and then when it comes game time, the whistle blows for you to play, unleash all of that. Uh, open that jar up and pour it all over the opponent, and then jar it back up once the whistles go, and then wait for the whistle <laughs> to blow again, and you keep doing it over and over, rinse and repeat. You make it sound so easy. Just, you know, put that thing between the whistles and can it and then bring it back out. But, you know, it is part of the process. 
You know, it is yeah, part can, of. I can punch a guy in the ribs. Sure. During the plays. Right. During the plays because it is me trying to strike. Well, it's touch always used to. Strike. But here's the point. You ha- you can't you can't do it like uh, like an animal like in you know, the Pope of yeah. Greenwich Village you know you got to have a little subtlety yeah. to it you know what I mean you got to yeah. be careful you can't do it wide out in the open but there are those those moments and times where you can exact a little frontier justice and be able to do what you need to do to even the personal score that goes on between all of us but the fact of the matter is when you see growth like we're seeing with Chase you know with like the other wide receivers I mean think about it we got. These guys here, they are. This is a young wide receiver group. You know what? You know, you think about it. You got uh, what? Uh, you got Juju in his fifth year. You got, uh, I think we got. Uh, let's see, James, James Washington's Washington. his fourth. De, uh, Deontay, Deontay is, is third. third. Yeah, third yeah. year. You know, and you got Chase in the second. I mean, this is a young buck group that has to make sure they're you know checking all those boxes previous to each and every game, getting ready to get the job done. Yeah, it's something that you're you're going to constantly go through. Heck, in the offensive line room, I mean, outside of Trey Turner, I mean, you, you've got young guys abound in that room because Kevin Dotson is coming into his second year. Right. You, you, you know, you, you have Trey Turner's what? Trey Turner's the oldest. He's at, what, seven, I think? Seven around seven, seven years, yeah. Yeah. Se- yeah, seven years. And then, what, Zach's a couple of years. Chooks is three years, 18, 19, 20. Okay, fourth year. This is his fourth season. I mean, you, for our offensive line, that's that's young. Um, so that is something, and, and this is our first time playing together. So that's something that you're always going to monitor. But I think for the wide receiver group especially, because you have that youth and because you have that pressure, um, you know, it's important that they all kind of support each other and build each other up in the process because that's one where you can get individualized. You can isolate yourself real easily, you know, and, and just focus on self. But it's a group effect as well because how you run your routes affect the other players. Absolutely. Because if you can pull that bracket or pull that double team from the safety, that's going to help the guy get beat in his one-on-one. All right, that's the opening segment right here. It's Wolf, Starks, and the Ninjas in the locker room, ESPN Pittsburgh, and Steelers Nation Radio. every weekend he thinks he's prepared for that and he's not and that's an illustration that I use to to relate to them the differences between the two games and and I'm just being honest you know you you go to college environments man the home team roots for their team you go to a professional environment they root against the visitor and so there's an intensity there that's different than college football Um, and so 65 and 70 can be unlike any college environment and I didn't want them to be surprised by that Welcome, everybody, to the second segment here on a Thursday morning. It's Wolf Starks and the Ninjas. 
Brian Lamartine, I see you in the production room. I love that name. That's the unofficial title. Wolf Starks and the Ninjas in the locker room. <laughs> we need a picture of us with, like, samurai swords. That That's, would be awesome. Yeah. We do, with, yeah. with the ninjas behind us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, just, like, peeking over the shoulders. Like, you just see Absolutely. a little guy with the mask. <laughs> I think it's hilarious, but it's true. Again, if you go back to yesterday and 19 minutes to go to get on the air and we were dead in the water, dead in the water. And now all of a sudden, boom, the show gets put together because those guys are ninjas. Put it all together and you got to love them. Brian, Tommy and, and Jacob in there. So uh, kudos to you guys. You guys are maturing, <laughs> showing great resiliency, and that's what we need because as Mike Tomlin was talking about, and I, I, I love the head, the little lead way that Jacob put with the stones, crossfire hurricane, that's the essence of what you got when you step into a pro stadium versus a college stadium. You know, it's not about, um, you know, you might have, a, as he played, the, that would be the Friar Muth, right? He played in front of 107,000 people. And I know what the swamp down is that where you got? Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, Steve Spurrier Field, but it's called the Swamp. Okay, the Swamp. Just in case we were wondering all the names. Exactly. Well, and, and why do they why do they call it the Swamp? Well, let's face it. I mean, when you come to Florida and you're a Gator, where do Gators reside? Okay, they reside in swamps. You know that's so brilliant. It got nicknamed. It got nicknamed the Swamp uh, back in. I want to say it was uh, the early '90s. I think Spurrier kind of coined the phrase. Um, they, you know, because when you play there in August and September, it is just swampy with the humidity. You know, it's hurricane season, so it's always going to be slightly damp, but always humid, 95 degrees, but mm. 95% humidity to follow it. So you're going to have that mugginess of being in the, in the Okefenokee uh, swamp <laughs> down there. Um, so, yeah, but yeah. And, and, Bama, and, and the tide are coming to said swamp this Saturday. So oh, really? So will be... I will be watching that game, 3.30 CBS. So That's I'm a big game, man. Yeah. That's a huge game, huge game. We're not going to win, but I'm feeling I'm feeling good to see the outcome. I want it to be competitive. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> expecting a victory. <laughs> Nobody should expect a victory when you see Alabama on your schedule or you know you've had to face them. Just, just, just go ahead and chalk it up to – we're going to do our best, and that's all I want to see. I want to see us do our best. <laughs> boy, you're really, you're really laying it on thick for your boys. You're giving them a lot of comfort. You know, yeah, they're, I am. they're seeking I am. Hey, comfort. They, they, they sought comfort, and I provided it for I provided shelter in the, in the storm. I provided shelter in the storm. That's all it was. Well, I know who was a little surprised by the storm in Buffalo, and that was Friermuth, who, you know, Mike had been warning and cautioning him, saying, this ain't like college ball. You know, it's not like Penn State where you got 107,000 rooting for you. You going to a visiting stadium, you, got, you have – a lot of people that are rooting hard against you. You know, you got the Buffalo yeah. Mafia, you know, doing uh, pro wrestling moves on ta tables outside. You got, remember going into Buffalo one time, I remember we're, we're riding the buses in and guys are mooning us, which is, oh, it's so oh, ugly. Yeah. That's a bad visual. But wow. You know, I mean, yeah. just people are really incensed up there. Well, it's, pa it's, the, it's the pale moonlight that yeah. they're providing. <laughs> that's, a, that, that, that's, that's the other bad, part of it that's such a bad visual man it's a bad visual but you know what that's what we do on radio we paint a picture for people that's true they can't visually see it so at least we're painting the picture and not giving the visual right <laughs> oh yeah none 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 here no, no, no. yeah that's yeah, our yeah, qualifier yeah exactly but i think i think that that is the difference between yes you're going to play in front of a lot of people in college if you go to some of the big schools right 
Florida has 100,000. You know, Nayland Stadium has, I think, a seats 110. The big house. Ohio State. Like, all these stadiums have a bunch of people, but it's the caliber of said mob. Because it's, you know, it's what, 50,000, 52,000, I think, was in um, – was in Highmark Stadium on Sunday. No, it was almost but, seventy. It was just a, a smidge okay, under oh, 70. seventy. Yeah. Okay, okay, seventy. I yeah, I I forget how how. It's how okay because you know how are. good I am at math. I mean, I, you exactly. know, just tremendous genius, yeah. genius. <laughs> yes, but I I think the biggest thing is is that it's that it's a different intensity and ferocity with a professional fan versus a collegiate fan, right? Collegiate fans they're more into the pageantry of the situation that they're at a home game and kind of getting lost in school pride. So it's not necessarily focused at you, whereas when you get into the NFL, no, it's directed at you. It can be directed at your number and who you are as a person, as the opponent, as a, as a superstar or a contributor. They're going to go directly at you, and they're going to let you know how it feels. I mean, think about walking to the old vet, right, mm. in Philly? Oh, I yeah. Mean, batteries thrown at you, people trying to, right. trying to pour all kinds of other bodily fluids and stuff on you as you walk through. They don't like you. It is it is like walking into a prison yard in some places. Yes. <laughs> and, and Baltimore. Baltimore is going to be a whole different level when it's those old rivalries. So you're going to get a different sense, and you've got to be mentally tough to tune it out. But that's, that's the, also the maturation process, right? He's a rookie. He's got to mature through it. That's exactly the point. I thought Mike Tomlin, again, showing, you know, the sensitivity in coaching is, is, is you know, there is the instructional, um, there is the personal, and then there's the, the kind that just goes in between, you know, it's a filler in between. You take the time to talk to your guys, your young guys, and saying, hey, listen, you may think that you've played in front of big crowds. You may think that you've played with crowds that, uh, you know, volume-wise, they are screaming and the noise level is high and everything. But you don't know it until you experience it on a level that is going to be different from your collegiate experience. And that is, like you said, the crowds that there is a decisive angst against where, you know, they are they are really, like you said, in, in the old Cleveland Stadium throwing dog biscuits and batteries at you, which, by the way, I remember one time, Max, we were playing, we had two minutes, the two-minute warning, we're in the end zone right by the dog pound. So there's Tunch Me, Mike Webster in the huddle and everything, and we're just hanging out, we're waiting, and all of a sudden somebody said, Somebody said, heads up, which they really should say heads down because something's coming at yeah. you. You need to drop exactly. your head. Yeah. The, yeah a beer can, a beer can flew over my head and missed me by maybe two inches, right? So it's sitting there about three yards away from me on the ground. And I turned to Tunch, I said, and Mike Webster, I said, what do you think if I go over and I pop that and I salute the dog pound? What do you think is going to happen? And Tunch goes, well, you, number one, you're going to start a riot. Number two, Chuck's going to make you walk home. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is Because true. the intensity of the crowd is exactly what Mike was talking about and talking to, to uh, Friermuth. Well, and think about this. If you incite that crowd in a negative aspect, there's not enough security force in the world that's going to stop a mob from storming that field. Especially when you True. think about the black hole, and, and, and you know, well, now Las Vegas. I don't know how how much of a black hole it is, but if it's the if it's Oakland mm -hmm. uh, from back in the day, like like I remember, AB scored a touchdown and then tried to jump into the crowd, oh. and we were like, no, 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 because no. I was like, you won't come back. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not called the black hole for nothing. I mean, you disappear yeah, exactly. You yeah, know? exactly. So I was like, no, you, that's not the crowd that you want to go incite in that type of way. 
and especially when there's special aromatherapies already <laughs> permeating throughout the stadium. <laughs> and Let's it's, just put it that you, way. You know, again, <laughs> Matt Millen was a friend of mine. Of course, Matt was a great player. Penn State played for the Raiders, played for San Francisco. Uh, you know, he he was the, the GM at Detroit and everything. Matt always told the story. He said, you know, the Raider fans are just, he said, it was a little bit crazy. He says, my, my rookie year, my rookie year, there there was uh, this group, and he said they were the Hell's Angels. And he said, oh, yeah. you know, I went along, and I come out of the locker room after a game, and he, they were all screaming, going, Matt, Matt, can you, can you hear me, Max? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Uh, okay, we're good. There was something in my head that just kind of rocked me a little bit. There, We had an emergency test, so. No problem. Oh, gosh. You know, I have a tendency to push buttons, <laughs> and things can go really bad. But Just because the they blink, you don't have to touch them. <laughs> you know, they, 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 like, call to me. You know, they're there, yeah. and you see them. And it's Touch like would say. a shiny object. It's all good. <laughs> touch would say, touch would say, get away from those. Don't touch those. Yeah. <laughs> like a cat with a little, little you know, a little mouse dangling in front yeah, of you. Yeah, a little mouse toy. Yeah. You know, but the point was, uh, the Hell's Angels, they would be there, and they, Matt says, I come out of the locker room, and they start going, Matt, way to go. And he's like going, I just kept my head down and walked faster. <laughs> you know, they're just yeah. crazy. But those those fans can get nuts, and it, it just that's the way, the, the nature of pro football. It, it is. It, it's, a different, it, it's a different fan, right? Because college, you can get people who are just fans because, oh, I went to school there. And yeah. you've got a lot of people going through school. But when you go to the NFL, that, that, that's a commitment. That, and that is a lifestyle choice, just like Steelers Nation, right? We're worldwide. And when you become a professional sports fan, it is, it is a different type of allegiance. It's a different type of following because you don't necessarily say, oh, yeah, but I, went to, I went to Pittsburgh Steelers University or I went to one of these other uh, pro teams. Univers-. You didn't. You, you, it, it's, it's based off of your local pride more often than not, or you bring it from your family, right? You get it from your mom, right. your dad, your grandparents, your uncles, your aunts. And, and so it's something that lives inside of you even stronger than a college affiliation. No question about it. All right. So Time to more open- craziness. Yes, it does. <laughs> Time to open up the phone lines. We're going to head to the phones, all right? 412-919-1316. Guess who's up? You're going to love them, Max. The sarcastic sword from Parts Unknown. Welcome, sword, oh, to wow. the locker room with Wolf Starks and the Ninjas. Hey, thanks for opening that door so I could squeeze in here, guys. You know, Max, when I heard you earlier in the week, my heart left, and I thought for a brief moment Wolf was bringing you in uh, to announce that the Steelers had just signed you to a six-month contract. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have somebody to handle that Crosby guy coming up this week. Uh, yeah. I got to say, if you give me a minute, you mentioned times, and I, I, if you give me a minute, uh, yes. you know, this, this gift of life that we're given is made up of thousands of moments that we've experienced, and, and those moments make us who we are. Uh, they, they basically are us, and, and Tunch makes up some of them moment, uh, moments for me, and I'm sure many, many for you guys. So actually, a part of you is touch and so when we're not moving on when we talk about football we're we're bringing him with us he's he's you you just referenced him and 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 the things you guys say and the way you think 
he's in there. So yes. uh, it, it's a beautiful thing, actually. So he, he is a part of you, who you are, and, and that will not change. He didn't go away. He's, he's right there with you. And, 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 and I look forward to you guys bringing him on, just like you referenced a few minutes ago. But we'll go on to something he loves, which is football. And, and, and mm-hmm. I've got to say, that last game, uh, something I seen, guys, uh, Mika being dropped down like that, that's actually the first time I noticed how physical he can be. He had some really nice hits uh, on uh, immediate hits on, on receivers, almost like a linebacker-esque sort of. And, and you're seeing a physicality, at least I haven't seen it, him being way back there in his normal position. But the way uh, the way he's being utilized is, is a whole, whole, whole new dimension to, to that to that defensive backfield. And, and, and Max, when you brought up the linebacker analysis early in the week, uh, it was very entertaining to listen to that when you went into depth on it, how uh, uh, Tomlin, Coach Tomlin and Butler used those linebackers. Really interesting talk. And Wolf, to your credit, the way you talked about the game day breakfast, I mean, talking about the eggs Benedict and how those guys <laughs> dove into that. I mean, uh, that was just great. So uh, when you guys analyze football, you, you know, you need a professor and a grounds crew, and I'm not going to say who is who, but <laughs> it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful mix uh, of, of interest that you guys bring to us. But I, I did have one question. Uh, I'm noticing, maybe it's me, but Ben waits to the last second to, to snap that ball. And once you're below five seconds, it's almost like uh, in track, a guy that's lined up for the 100-yard dash, the defensive line, in a sense, knows it's going to go down to the last section and they're poised to go. Do you think he – is that intentional, that he, he takes down to the last second? Or is it better to mix up that actual snap uh, with the time – on the clock. I mean, he, he just goes down to the last second almost all the time. And, and, and I fear that that gives a little bit of a jump to the, to the defense. Let me just say this right now, sort number one is we're dealing with a new offense and a new offensive coordinator. So right now, Ben is operating on a level where he's getting fully greased into the offense. The second thing is Ben uses experience and he will use his voice inflection and Max can jump in on that one, uh, you know, to further create a problem for the defense so you, you're not rhythmical all the time. But the third thing is Ben knows he wants these guys to reveal what they're doing. Everybody's trying to sugar and, and hide what they're doing, you know, whether it's a shift at the front, it's a shift in the back end of the defense. But everybody is, is trying to hide until the last second, and he's taking the last second to see specific things in a play that he wants to see. And go ahead, Max. I know you want to jump in. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, it, it is, it is uh, twofold. One is the, the microphone gets cut off in his hel- helmet at 10 seconds. So <laughs> if Matt Cannon is talking to him all the way up until almost like Sean McVay, right, he's talking, 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 tra- trying to get things in before you get to the 10-second sen- cutoff. Right. And then from there, it's a diagnosis process. The hey, diagnosis is – Max uh, Wolf at all. You there, Max? Can they hear yeah, you? I'm here. Can anybody hear me? Can you hear Hello? him, Sword? No, Hello? not at all. Well, I hear you, but I, I don't hear Max. At okay. All. Well, I'll just summarize okay. real quickly for Max. We'll go to break and be able to 
fix this up. But what he's saying is that, you know, there's a period of time in the 10-second cutoff when Matt Canada is talking to, to uh, Ben, and then the period okay. of after is the diagnosis, which we're talking about, the last 10-second runoff there. He takes it down because he wants to see what he wants to see. He's trying to make these guys reveal their hand, okay? So hey, gotcha. Wolf, I know you got to go, but the only thing we leave behind here is what we have given to others, and Tunch certainly has given a lot and left a lot for us. So God bless him and you and uh, and all you guys down there. Take care, please. Sword, you know he loved you. He talked, he called you in the off season, and I know that you guys were buddies and everything else. And so, yes, we carry Tunch with us. Uh, we know that uh, he's with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and I ain't worried about it because I will see that man again someday. So, all right. That's it for Wolf Starks and the Ninjas in the locker room. This segment, we'll be back with more, and we'll have uh, more calls coming up. He's a highly conditioned guy. We weren't moving the ball fluidly enough in the first half where it became an issue. And so that's really where it captured your attention early in the game. You know, you burn a lot of fuel as a young guy early in the game, anxiety and so forth. Um, and so it became less of an issue as the game wore on. He settled down. We found our rhythm. And so I was happy with how that transpired and unfolded. And the same could be said for for the quality of his play as the game unfolded. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. You know, that's Mike Tomlin talking about Najee Harris. And, uh, of course, you learn a lot from each and every outing. You really do. You learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about your teammates. If you're the coach, you learn a lot about your guys. And you learn something more about yourself that maybe you didn't know. And one of the things I'm going to pose to you Max Starks, is the fact, what do you think Matt Canada learned from the first half to the second half, say from last week's game, that might be brought forward this week? Well, I think one of the things is going to be mix and flow for the offensive play calling with the run game. Uh, because like you said, you know, with Najee Harris, yes, he's highly conditioned, and there was no rhythm to be established, but there was a propensity to go towards – a lot of zone, a lot of inside-outside zone right. plays early on. And when you look at the personnel, it didn't necessarily match up because you had smaller, undersized linemen. And when you're running on zones, right, it's pretty much you're running in a direction, you're blocking a space as opposed to having an individual man assignment. And we didn't see a lot of success. That's why I think the offense was so suppressed in the first half, right? 54 yards of total production. Right. Whereas when in the second half, when there was an intent to go forward, say, I've got the defensive tackle up to the middle backer, 
in a double team block, either a double or a deuce, that's when you knew, okay, we're starting to make hay because you put bigger guys on littler guys, they move backwards a lot faster. And it allows you to create those natural seams but stay within the defensive schematics to where guys can blend and move and guys can create more holes. And so it's going to be something as we see them progress in this offense, you've got to have that man and zone more so mixed in and allow guys to get settled into their assignments. And like we talked about, you've got to need the dough, right? You have to soften up these guys. When you go at them, when you say, hey, Dan Moore, you got A.J. Epinesa, and I want you to drive him until you can't drive him anymore. Right. I want you to take Ed Oliver, Kevin Dotson, Kendrick Green, and double block him to all hell, right? You, you want him – you want to get those guys softened up to where they're less likely to just knife through and just sprint through your, 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 your lines as you're running on an angle because they could delay, hesitate – and that guard could go, and then you create a gap between the guard and tackle that a defensive tackle and knife through on the backside. And we saw that kind of time and time again, whereas we didn't really get that adjustment to where it's like, hey, let's just go slower and stay within this, the structure of tackle to tackle and move things forward. And in the second half, we saw that, and we saw what happened, especially for a runner like Najee. Like, he comes from Alabama, a very pro-style offense, a very man-based blocking assignment offense. So he has a comfort in that. So if you want to get him into their groove with softening it up with some man stuff and then start sprinkling in zone to throw them off to where he can hit an edge or where he can hit a big cutback lane on the backside, that's what you have to kind of do. And we saw that nuance. He finally realized in the second half and they saw, hey, this is what they're really good at, so let's keep doing that. And then we saw the offense really start to move and start to get a balance of ground and air because it sets up your play action when you have that success running the ball. You know, one of the things that I think that I always felt was problematic in the outside zone schemes is the fact that you, with not having a predetermined person that you're going to pick up, is the fact that it leaves you, you know, you, you come tearing off the line of scrimmage and you got to take a, well, for in, in gap blocking, you tear off the line of scrimmage and it's mono a mono. You know, except if you have a double team, you know who you got to move. And there is a sort of uh, a fierceness and determination and intensity that comes with that sort of people moving business. You know, to move a guy from A to B against his will, it takes a lot of determination by the offensive lineman to be able to do that. And in an outside zone, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit softer of an attack because you got a bucket step that gives a defensive lineman a step ahead of you to be able to get into position that he wants to get to. And all of a sudden, you got this stretching effect that really you're trying to make him run and you're trying to make him a one-dimensional player by turning his shoulders. And if they can stay square on you, that makes him a two-way guy. And that's difficult to deal with for an offensive lineman. Well, and especially think about this, Wolf. If a guy's knifing on the inside, there's no wall. You're not creating right. a wall because you're still going. So now you're hoping as a lineman, as a tackle, if I turn to the outside and I turn my shoulder, if that guy knifes to the inside, normally I would peel back and create that wall for the running back to then right. run off of the first edge. But in an outside zone, I'm still running and climbing. So now I'm either looking for a linebacker, I'm looking for a safety, and then if I get in the in the no-man's land, which is the in-between times, right, where I have to look left or right, what am I going to pick? I'm going to look to the inside to try and create a seal, but I don't know if that guy's going to be caught or hit because if you don't have a crack by a receiver or a split-out guy that's in that slot to come in and crack the inside first man uh, on the second level, 
Now you've created yourself in a situation. Then the next time we run it, guess what I'm going to do? If we didn't have success, I'm blocking the outside guy. Now the inside guy can come. Yes. So It's problematic. It, it, you, yeah. It's very problematic, and, it, and it's a very nuanced skill that if you don't have guys doing a bunch of multiple things to where you have that assignment and they're young, that, that creates a whole breed of problems, and it takes a lot of reps to get really good at running stretch zone and stretch outside zone. All right. We're going to go to the phones and get your number uh, number out there. It's 412-919-1316. And we're going to see Max. Hang on. Make sure that you can hear because we got CR in Chicago. Okay. Let's uh, make sure. CR, come ahead. Hey, what's going on, you two guys? CR, sitting next in Chicago. How the heck you guys doing this morning, man? Good CR, good CR, and Hello. I did, and I did, of course. Are we there? CR, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear him? One, two. I'm, I'm here, CR. Can you hear me? Okay. I'm sorry, CR. What happened was we've got a little bit of the uh, glitch in some of the phone lines. Max heard you. He, you couldn't hear him, so I don't know how that works. But certainly, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, we got to get worked out here. Because of the fact is, I'm in Pittsburgh. Max is in Phoenix in the Valley of the Sun. Oh, Max, you're in all the the very That's nice right. places I, there. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I, I'm I'm I, I'm in the town of the other wolf. You know? <laughs> My <laughs> brother Ronnie stretched nascent wide and. And also, Ronnie told me to tell you hello. I was in studio yesterday with him. Oh, very wanted, good he indeed. Wanted, he wanted to ask how you were doing. He's like, he's like, the fact that I get my my, my weekly checkups on my brother from, <laughs> from you, Max, is pretty hilarious. So I told is him it you not? Were well. I told him, yeah, I told him you you were thirty two ounces in on on a, on a tomahawk ribeye oh. uh, last I talked to you. So <laughs> so I'm feeling rather rather frisky, yes, because I did yes. have. Oh, it was very very good indeed. Well, now. Should we try another there, Jacob? Can we try another call? Okay, let's go to Dano in Florida. See if we got this this bug worked out here. Dano, you're in the locker room. Come ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Dano. I can Good hear morning, you. Good morning, Dano. <laughs> hey, uh, first off, uh, welcome to the locker room, Max. Glad Thank to, you very much. You uh, are doing, getting a lot of insight. And I, I'm really, I'm really excited to uh, have you in the locker room with us. Well, my pleasure. Thank you. Very glad indeed. He's been a huge, and I do that mean do mean that both physically <laughs> and presence wise. Uh, he's been a huge addition to the locker room. I mean, yeah. there's only somebody six eight, you know, and uh, roughly three <laughs> bills, shall we say? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Three hundred okay. <laughs> pounds. <laughs> but uh wolf it's good to hear your voice as well buddy thank you brother i appreciate it uh yeah it's good to be back exactly and and what kind of uh caller would i be if i did not welcome max into the locker room without some of the uh a a good box of mapletron donuts (laughs) wolf so they're going to be on their way to you. Oh, you're going to love this, Max. Dano fixes okay. up with some great donuts, brother. Okay, there it is. I can't wait. The maple donuts. I'm going to yes. wait until he sees them. I'm not even going to talk about it, Dano. I'm going to wait yeah, till they okay. arrive. Yeah, absolutely. You can give him a nice surprise. Thank you. But uh, anyway, just uh, wanted to call and, and say that uh, I'm glad for another uh, upcoming 2021 season with the Steelers. And also, uh, whenever Max was talking about uh, the 
kind of fan loyalty to professional teams. Uh, I think about my generation whenever I was in Western Pennsylvania and during that time, you got to understand as well that the coal mines and the steel mills were not doing so good. So uh, to get in front of a television set on Sunday, we were also winners whenever the Steelers were winning. So uh, absolutely, you know, it was a good, it was a good time for us, you know, because they were doing good. So we felt like we were doing good as well. You know, and but, that is the uh, fan loyalty, and that is the bonding of the what what's really was the steel industry here in Pittsburgh when I first got here. And I always go back to the story. I, I met a man who was in the, uh, you know, he was a steel worker, and he was an older gentleman, but, uh, you know, the steel industry had gone down. But he, he we were talking one time at, a, at a, an event, and I, whatever reason, I can't remember where, but, you know, we were talking, he said, you know, he said, I didn't know if I could put food on the table. Uh, the coming week, but I had my Steelers on Sunday, and for three and a half hours, three hours, I didn't have to think about anything or worry about anything. It was just me and the Steelers, and and I love that that sort of appreciation he had, and that sort of uh, value that the Steelers gave to him, and being able to um you know just support him in a tough time of life. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, I couldn't think, agree more. And I think ahead, even sorry, more so. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, and even more so, I, I think that is the identity the Steelers still carry to this day. Mm-hmm. Because of that time, yeah. it, it, it kind of galvanized you know, generations after that, right? Because once the steel industry left Pittsburgh and people dispersed out to other coasts to, uh, to seek in their profession, they also took that Steeler pride with them. And they instilled that into their kids their friendships, and brought other fans into the fold as well. And so that's why we have Steeler Nation to this day is because of what happened here in Western PA and then people going out and traveling to other parts of this country and spreading the good gospel of Pittsburgh Steeler football. Amen. <laughs> hey, Dano, we got to run, brother. We're up against a hard break. But thank you for yes, checking sir. in. Appreciate you, bud. Yes, sir. Right. Care. God bless you guys. All right. Okay, folks, that's the first hour of Wolf and Starks and the Ninjas in the locker room. (laughs) We'll be back with more. Coming up at the top of the hour is going to be the great coach Tom Bradley. He's going to check in in the locker room here right here on ESPN Pittsburgh and the Steelers Nation Radio.